Hello and welcome back to Cloisterbell, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Liam and Rob. Hello and welcome back. I'm Liam. And I'm Rob. And as said in the introduction, we will be discussing the Marion Conspiracy, which was originally released by Big Finish on March 2000. That's ancient. That's a <laughs> long time ago. So it's a very old Sixth Doctor Colin Baker story on mm. audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is a very unique story compared to the ones that came before it, because this introduces an audio-exclusive companion. Yes, that's right. Ever, uh, Evelyn Smythe, played by Maggie Stables, uh, which is a which is a nice surprise. Yeah, with the previous Big Finish audio adventures, they they were clearly made to slot into the TV continuity, uh, in in some way, slotting directly between stories. But yeah, this is um, this is Big Finish. I think um, at this point they'd been going on for about a year. And they've clearly nailed what it is that they want to do and they've got the confidence. So now they can do do their own thing. Yeah, and Evelyn Smythe, I think she says she's 55 in this story. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a radically older companion to what we've had in the past, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's worth noting that at the time of recording, Colin Baker was 57, Ah, right. So in in relation to that, you're still a young companion. (laughs) Yeah. What was your reaction to Evelyn? And do you think she would have paired just as well with any of the other Doctors? I think, um, well, to answer your first question, one, I thought she was absolutely excellent. Uh, She seemed like a a breath of of fresh air, absolutely... um, Love the companion. The way that um, she is performed and Colin Baker's interaction with her, it, it's, the story hits the, the ground running with that. Um, so yeah, I thought she, she worked very well. Um, if she, I think she, yeah, I think she pretty much would have worked um, with any number of the Doctors. But um, there's something about the interaction between her and Colin Baker, which is... Uh, which is really good. Maybe she could have worked with the fifth Doctor because there are certain stories, namely um, Kinder and the Awakening, where in those stories he's paired off with a with an older woman, and there's something that that something that works. I mean, what's what's interesting is so, so in uh, the Doctor Who story uh, Kinder, the actress Neris Hughes is in that, and the relationship between the Doctor and her character and the way that Peter Davison and Neris Hughes react to one another is really uh, is really strong. To the point where a lot of a lot of fans over the years have said that it would be great if um, maybe Neris Hughes had become a, a bit of a regular companion and maybe Big Finish could could uh, could plug that. So it's interesting that Neris Hughes has been uh, recently contracted to Big Finish playing a character called Margaret Hopwood with the fourth Doctor. Uh, which is great. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But it's sort of, if you got Neris Hughes, maybe maybe you could have done something with the fifth Doctor, but never mind. Before we dive into it, shall I read the plot? Oh, yep, go ahead. Tracking a nexus point in time, 
the Doctor meets Dr. Evelyn Smythe, a history lecturer whose own history seems to be rapidly vanishing. The Doctor must travel back to Tudor times to stabilise the Nexus and save Evelyn's life. But there he meets the Queen of England and must use all his skills of diplomacy to avoid ending up on the headman's block. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a very good uh, plot summary. And this is the first historical story we've had in quite a while with regards uh, to the classic era. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, which is uh, which is great uh, because I, I have quite a fondness for um, Doctor Who doing historicals, mm-hmm. um, and at this, in terms of uh, Colin Baker as the Doctor, I think. Um, I mean, at this point in the his, uh, in the show's history, it was doing pseudo historicals. Um, so you had the Mark of the Rani, which I think is only the the Six Doctors only historical on television. Yeah. Um, but this is um, this is in many respects sort of like a, a pure historical. Yeah, and of course we've had this issue with the Nexus point. They always find a way to shoehorn in some kind of sci-fi element, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's true, and I think it um, sort of establishes a, a reason why the sick doctor is immediately interested in Evelyn because um, this 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 funny business with the Nexus Point uh, history is being changed. She could she could be completely rewritten from history along with her ancestors. So it it quickly establishes um, a reason for them to one meet and to go on to the adventure. But as soon as that's established, it's pretty much right where in the in the reign of Queen Mary, and we can just get on with telling the story. Initially, where you know, and they're going to meet Queen Mary, and they think it's going to be Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a moment where I thought they'd arrived after the Nexus point, and something had changed. Did you get that, or did you just um, figure it out? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't figure it out because one of the things that really surprised me at, at this point was just how pleasant everything was. Really, I mean, th- there's the there's the dramatic risk that has uh, that has to be resolved at the end of the story, which is that uh, there's this nexus point issue, which which we've discussed, saying that you know even it could be rewritten from history. But other than that, um, you've got the Doctor who goes right. I need to go to the court of the Queen. And Evelyn, who is a history lecturer, is basically saying, right, this is my opportunity to see history for real. Uh, I'm just going to mingle mingle with the plebs and, and just see um, see how they live and how I can interact and so on. And actually, everything was quite pleasant and it, there wasn't any seemingly massive risk because Evelyn's um, stasis at that point has been, uh, been stabilised by the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, as long as she's next to this uh, this this gizmo that he's made, which she's hidden in her bag, she's absolutely fine. Um, you know, actually, it was it was really quite nice, um, because I think up until this point, the big finish audio adventures have been quite um, serious, whereas this was just you know it was quite laid back in comparison. And you've got Evelyn, who's you know very keen on history, is more than willing to tease the doctor and have a sort of like a, a jokey argument and they I, I love listening to um to that interaction she's yeah quite... she's obviously um not your typical companion she's not a young girl she's mm-hmm. more like she's more like a grandmother you know she's quite stern but she's very kind mm-hmm. knitting jumpers and baking cakes <laughs> yeah i was just like oh she loves chocolate cake she loves chocolate yeah. in general it's just like great 
Um, so yeah, I thought that was really nice. And actually, that I think that's the case for the majority of, of the story. It has this quite pleasant feel. The only moments of threat that occur are, I would say, during the cliffhangers. But that's where the the threat comes from the period and time in which they're in. Yeah. I think this has one of my favourite cliffhangers ever. Mm-hmm. And it's one where the sting that it ends on is the fact that the Doctor may conceive her ancestor and then get burned at the stake. And kind of that's that's the note they left it on. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the uh, the cliffhanger to episode three. Yeah, that that yeah. was really good because it it didn't feel it was evil and maybe suggesting this thing that the, the doctor <laughs> is her ancestor, and it, it sort of it ends on an almost comic moment. Uh, it feel that that's the way it's going, but yeah, but then the doctor points out that well, actually, according to your own family history, this ancestor of yours gets uh, executed. Yeah. Um, so are we meant to think, oh no, he's going to get ex- going to get executed here? <laughs> it's not like a real threat, is it? No, no, it's not. Uh, but that's the thing. It's sort of uh, it's going. Oh, okay, this is interesting. Where's where's the story going to go at this point? It, th- th- that cliffhanger is quite interesting because yeah. it's not like the cliffhanger to episode one, where because the Doctor and Evelyn think they've arrived during the reign of Queen Elizabeth, and then Evelyn has toasted to good Queen Bess, only to realise that actually it's Queen Mary still on the throne. So, yeah. treason. She could get killed. So that's uh, obviously a, a moment of threat, which is your standard cliffhanger for Doctor Who. Whereas this one in episode 3 feels more like um, uh, th- this is a cliffhanger because now the story's going to steer off in a completely different direction. Possibly. Yeah. So, with regards to the Nexus point, um, I'm not that I'm not familiar with the Evelyn stories very well. Um, is that something that's going to be resolved over time? I'm uh, I'm not sure. I I was under the impression that um, mm. it it had been mostly resolved, but there is that hint. Having said that, because in the very first episode, it's established that this is an issue, and Evelyn's not feeling too well, and she's got a headache, and so on. Uh, yeah. Whereas towards the end of the episode, everything seems to be. Um, resolved and everything stabilised but there is that sort of a hint I mean I don't know whether you picked up on this but that maybe Evelyn isn't as well as she's saying that she is yeah because she's concealing that she's got a headache is yeah. That right? yeah 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 I mean that that's the impression that that, that I got um, so yeah it uh, there is a, a little bit of a suggestion that, that, that this maybe become the running story arc so with regards to putting history back on track do you think it events would have played out without them being there? Or do you think possibly a nexus point would have been the Doctor not having taken her there? No, am I giving you a headache? <laughs> My brain hurts. Um, no, I think that's one of the things, because it seems to be that the reason why the nexus point happens is because they travel there in the first place, because yes. they, they travel there to resolve the nexus point. But everything is going reasonably well until... Evelyn happens to mention that Queen Mary isn't really pregnant and the plotters who wished to kill the Queen that was Mm -hmm. the one thing that was holding them off because everyone was under the impression that the Queen is pregnant, no one wants to kill a pregnant woman so they'll just leave it but so the threat seems to be the fact that um, because Evelyn and the Doctor are there in the first place, Evelyn's let this slip which then potentially changes history 
so it's 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 that you know that thing sort of like a cause and effect the issue has the issue has arisen because they've gone back in time to resolve an issue that wasn't really there but they've caused the problem which made them go back in time and i've gone cross-eyed the whole thing is a headache yes <laughs> yes so she's very accepting of the evidence that the doctors gave her um before she travels with them isn't she she mm-hmm. seems like a very rational person um but she's not very skeptical of it all is, is she it's quite an interesting quality yeah she just seems to um go oh, this man's a bumbling idiot but he seems you know pretty harmless and um is is willing to listen and then she just understands that yes it's a time machine she seems underwhelmed with the lack of tech <laughs> on the tardis <laughs> yeah she just she just seems to uh accept it all and yeah. you know the, the doctor provides the explanations okay fair enough that makes sense to me and then she just cracks on with the adventure uh which is which is a breath of fresh air uh, and I absolutely love it. And she's just going right. Um, here's the opportunity for me, someone who loves history, just to to go and wallow in it. She seems quite confident that she'll be fine going out exploring. Mm-hmm. I guess because of her academic level, you know, she's um, she knows the period, although she thinks she does. She thinks she's maybe a bit overconfident because, of course, she does end up um, getting herself into danger. But only because she was misinformed about the date. Yeah, that's true, and uh, she does reprimand. She does reprimand the doctor for that, and I think yeah. you know quite reasonably. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I suppose it's one of those things of of taking taking the information that she was, she's received for granted. But um, she seems quite competent, doesn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when she's in the tavern, and of course she's um, identified as possibly being a traitor. The men she's speaking to, the men she's speaking to are in fact um, the Protestants in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very fortunate to sit at that table, I guess, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, extremely yeah. fortunate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because if she, if she was having that conversation with a bunch of Catholics, this would have been a very different story. In fact, because uh, I think that's that's one of the strengths of of this episode as well is it, it's it's establishing that history, and then. Having the Doctor get on quite quite well with Queen Mary, and then able to basically speak his mind, because really what this story is explores is not just the uh, historical period, but also um, really sort of explores the the idea of um, the freedom to express one's religious views. Yeah, um, one of my disappointments about this story was maybe not. I was expecting. A more optimistic message from the story because we'll have these opposing views and everyone is quick just to burn a heretic <laughs> and now we don't not all of us do that you know <laughs> we're very accepting of each other's beliefs mm-hmm. so i was expecting um the doctor to have a a strong opinion on that possibly but in fact he doesn't he treads quite lightly and then he almost empathises or understands with Mary on a few points. Mm-hmm. Did you think the um, the whole topic of um, dealing with heresy could have been dealt with in a more interesting way? Um, I actually quite like the way it was uh, addressed in this story because um, given, given the historical period that it was in, if the Doctor was to have 
um, expressed his views much more strongly than um, if they were, say for argument's sake, that the story then made that the Queen accepted those views. One, that contradicts um, history as it took yeah. place. But also, it's also relatively quite a, a recent viewpoint the Doctor would be expressing. He has to, I think, tread lightly. And I think it's under. I think where the Doctor's coming from in this story is that it's it's understandable. He understands the Queen, and that she has these views, and she believes them to be right, and she has that strong sense of conviction. Yeah. So he understands her from from that point of view, and I think it's important to understand her her view in relation to the historical period, because also the other thing that the story does is when we're having a look at the the protestants who wish to have queen elizabeth on the throne th they're saying exactly the same thing of basically going well um we want to end religious persecution but for us we would quite happily see religious persecution for the catholics because our views are correct so i, I think it actually uh, addresses the the issue quite well and places it within a within that historical context really well uh it has a very, very powerful ending, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, with respect to what you were just saying, when we have um, yeah, and in that final scene when um, when I think it's Reverend Thomas is he's faced with um, being burned at the stake, and he's given the chance to redeem himself and preach um, Catholicism. Um, in his in his last moments, mm -hmm. but he doesn't. You know, that's uh, quite and that expresses his strong views. Yeah, yeah it was quite quite a powerful ending. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, very very much so. But then it, that goes into the um, the the idea of the freedom of religious expression mm -hmm. in terms of a human right. As I said, is historically much more of a, a recent <clears throat> idea. I mean, we we in Britain uh, live in a country where we we have that freedom now. Yeah. Uh, and so, but we've had to go through the pain of religious persecution in order to get to this point, as seen in the Marian, Marian conspiracy. So yeah. I think the way that it's handled in the story is quite, it's handled quite well. I think it's handled quite deftly, um, and I, I, I like the way it's it's portrayed. But then it it sort of listening to the story, it provokes these ideas through the you know the discussion of what what we're talking about um, and the importance of the freedom of religious expression. Yeah, and it feels quite recent, doesn't it, in our history that this was happening. Mm -hmm. and of course, we're all familiar with um, Bloody Mary and um, the persecution of the um, the Protestants, yeah. And, but then this is only a century or so after the religious crusades, when other religions were um, branded heretics. In England, the, um, the Catholic Church kind of... Um, disbanded from the Roman Catholic Church, didn't it? I think it was during Henry VIII's time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it, had we still been under the papal rule of the um, Roman Catholic Church, would um, religious laws be changed to the extent that they were? Oh, uh, oh that's a that's a very profound question. Well, the thing is, what's, what's interesting is sort of, uh, and obviously I'm being, I'm being quite simplistic about this, but... Even though Henry VIII um, cut himself off from from Rome and established the Church of England, 
he himself still believed in Roman Catholicism and, in fact, still died technically as a Catholic. Um, then what ends up happening for the next few years and a few monarchs is this sort of seesawing between um, Protestantism uh, and Catholicism. I don't know, it's, uh, so it's like seesaws between them. And then it, really it's from the reign of Queen Elizabeth onwards where it's finally established that we are a Protestant nation going forward. Um, then because of a number of factors, including um, the English Civil War, um, the removal of the monarchy, then the restoration of the monarchy, and, um, and then the rules establishing the line of succession for monarchs and eventually freedoms and policies in the Enlightenment and so on. I mean, there's an awful lot going on, but then finally, through, through all these things we then get to the the freedoms that we that we recognize today so if if we had remained a catholic country i mean i think looking around looking around the world and, and certainly europe at large i think you know and if you're having a look at those countries which are which are still catholic yes i think you would have had um the ability to express one's religion freely but arguably but arguably i think it would have taken much longer that's interesting yeah we also have these two protestant characters i think it was crow and leaf is that right yeah these are the ones that evelyn insists on saving much like the 10th doctor saved um his peter capaldi counterpart <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah. and um, um what was that story called the fight the, the fires, fires of Pompeii, of Pompeii yes. yeah. And they show some um, very interesting views. What one of them, of course, um, thinks, oh, maybe we'll be we'll be martyrs. <laughs> and the other guy's like, well, I, I don't want to die. You know, I don't, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting seeing two different views there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think uh, again, uh, again, quite deftly looking at the the different approaches to this sort of thing so one is quite willing to die for his beliefs whereas the other probably represents the vast majority of us which is we have we have our own views but all what we want to do is just you know crack on and live our lives as normal mm-hmm. without having to go through the rigmarole of all this sort of like this infighting and and then you know what you know, dying and then potentially becoming some sort of martyr Evelyn introduces cocoa with sweeteners yeah do you think that's worth trying uh no 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 i think i think that's i think that's a bit much i mean i've never had i've never put have you ever put sugar into hot chocolate sugar no in a hot chocolate no i did used to have cocoa with milk when i was younger my granddad used to make it yeah yeah oh no no but but i I don't think we put sweetener in that i used to just like it if i was making instant hot chocolate god no i wouldn't put um (laughs) sugar in that oh good god oh no You'd actually feel your teeth rotting. Yeah, that'd be too much. Uh, no, I've never, I've never seen there the need to put um, sugar into uh, into cocoa or anything like that. I think it's sweet enough. Yeah. Um, with instant hot chocolate, do you do like massive heaped spoonfuls? Because it says like use four heaped spoonfuls. <laughs> um, it's, it's either too weak, which is undrinkable, or like insanely. Sweet and thick. No, it's sort of. 
I'd be, this is one of the things I mean how, how, how do you measure a heap it's not specific but it's sort of the way that I, 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 I do like a massive peak until there's nothing else falling off is that too much <laughs> Possibly, I mean that might that might actually be that is a proper heap. See, because the way I would do it is going like I think the amount that I put in is sort of like halfway between halfway between a heap. Okay. Sort of, it's sort of like um, a level teaspoon with a little bit extra on top. Ah. But that's the problem with hot chocolate because if you get a heap teaspoon of sugar, you know that's that's only going to go so high. Yeah. But if you get hot chocolate, that just if, doesn't fall down you can make like a it's gonna be a few inches high why don't you right you've you've got the container of 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 the hot why don't you just pour the hot water into that and stir it and yeah. get the and get the ultimate instant hot chocolate i'm sure evelyn would approve was there any point in this story that you're listening to it where you would go oh i could i could do with a big slice of chocolate cake. chocolate cake i know and then that's the way we're left feeling. You know, we just want to go to Mexico, get, make some chocolate cake. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to when the doctor is talking about... Well, when the, the doctor's obviously talking to Mary about um, tolerating other people's beliefs, he's quite careful about what he says there. Um, but there's a moment where he's talking to Sarah... And he gives a good speech about what is the good thing to do regardless of what's lawful. And he gives um he implies what he's done, you know, he's he's killed, caused genocide, he's caused wars. So he's a bit back and forth, I mean, about what what kind of views he's expressing in this story, isn't he? Mm-hmm. But of course being careful. Maybe he's being extra careful in this instance because it's this nexus point in time. Of course, he can't reveal too much, can he? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But we've got a little bit of an insight into um, into the doctor. You know, you'll do you'll do what needs to be done if it's a good thing to do. We've got a good moment in the Tower of London when the doctor clobbered someone with a chair. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that whole interplay between uh, Evelyn and the doctor—if um, violence is ever the answer. And he said, of course, it's not. <laughs> but we know better. We've seen him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course, they, they, do, they, do, they do escape the Tower of London, which they need to, for one, if they want to keep their heads, but also to, uh, to, uh, to warn the Queen and make sure that established history takes place. And the only way that he does that is by not, not knocking the guard out, by uh, hitting him <laughs> with a chair. Yeah. I guess that goes back to what I just said. He does what needs to be done. Yeah. And this story, obviously shares some themes with the day of the doctor one being elizabeth the first which yep. convenient conveniently doesn't appear <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and another one is the tower of london mm-hmm. but i think we're safe to say nothing in this story contradicts any of that does it no no i don't think so and i i remember um there's a bit in i'm sure it's the mind of evil the john Pertwee story where he's talking to joe and talks about how um how he how he was imprisoned in the uh, in the Tower of London. All oh, right, okay, and I know um, it's already a matter of fact that the past doctors have met Elizabeth I as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So where that fits in, who knows? <laughs> well, it was a long reign. Um... I love how he, 
um, Evelyn's so confident and respectful of um, what she knows of Elizabeth I, how um, basically she wouldn't marry. <laughs> you know, she's she she's got other duties that she puts first. <laughs> yeah, and ironically, she ends up marrying the Doctor. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously that that wasn't known at the time that this story was released back in two thousand because the show hadn't come back yet. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think that's a nice little um, a nice little joke that that's been accidentally established. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Um, when the Doctor and Evelyn are in the company of Mary, Evelyn is suspected of bringing poison, which is just her aspirin, mm-hmm. and the the Doctor allows Mary to take some. Now, given how apprehensive he's been about um, interfering, do you think this is a bit bizarre that he does this? Uh, not particularly. I don't think uh, giving Queen Mary an aspirin is particularly, um, you know, just cures her aches and uh, headache. Yeah. I suppose this is just a necessary point in um, ensuring they're, they're kind of vindicated at this point, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. they need to prove that it's not poison. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something quite poignant about all this, though, because even though there isn't, it isn't established in in the story. Um, well, some of it is. We are aware that Queen Elizabeth was was quite ill, but um, there is this poignant thing if if you know a bit, a bit about the history, because there, there was a possibility. You no, know, because not only did she have a phantom pregnancy, which is mentioned in the story, but there is a possibility that she could have had cancer of the womb. I mean, so so knowing that, uh, when I was listening to the story and the whole thing about her being, um, you know, the possibility that she's pregnant, even though Evelyn and the Doctor know that she isn't, and the fact that she's quite ill. So simply just um, taking an aspirin to remove some of the aches and pains for something which is quite possibly a lot more serious is... Uh, it was just something I was aware of when I was listening to it. I wasn't aware of the... Um... The fact that she might have been pregnant um, other times. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're, we are reminded in the tavern about um, about the times when one of the guys says, oh, I'm going to have 17 kids. <laughs> you just you just have to remember that there was no contraception. No, but also, I mean, um, child... Mortality rates were low. Yeah, and, and childbirth uh, during this period was uh, was uh, incredibly, uh, incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right after that cliffhanger that we find out that um, the Doctor may be the John Smith, that is <laughs> yeah. e- Evelyn's um, descendant, ancestor mm-hmm. rather. <laughs> yeah. Um, he then points out that um, there's a lot of Smiths. <laughs> so it's not necessarily him. Quite, <laughs> yes. Quite yeah, a common yeah. name. Well, I haven't said that. I was just wondering, do you know many people with the surname Smith? Matt Smith? No, no. <laughs> Oh yeah, him. No, no, I mean people you know personally. Oh, him, uh, no. Because <laughs> I know it is the most common surname in Britain, but when I think about it, uh, I don't think I know anyone actually who has the surname. I'm trying to think, do I know any Johns? Some, not many. <laughs> no. Do I? I wonder, know John? I wonder if there's a ma- many John Smiths. Oh, there's bound to be. I'll have a little look on Facebook. <laughs> Quite a lot of John Smiths in Newcastle. Are you are you checking the phone directory? I wonder if they ever meet up. 
when the doctor mentioned that people have died while travelling with them, um, is there anyone else other than Adric that you can think of? Um, there was a... T- yes, there's, uh, there's Katarina, who was introduced in the Myth Makers and then dies in um, the Dalek's Master Plan. And there's another... Uh. And there's another companion who was introduced in that story, um, playing Brett Vine's sister. Brett Vine, played by Nicholas Courtney in that story, um, she dies a horrible death. She's uh, she's rapidly aged in, towards the end. Um, so there's those two. And yeah, apart from that, them and Adric, I think they're probably the only ones. Huh. There's no new companions that have died, have there? No, because when they do that, they have a nasty habit of uh, of coming back. Yeah, like Rose was lost. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna had her memory wiped. And who can forget Clara? Oh yes, she died <laughs> many times. <laughs> then came uh, back. Yeah. Amy and Rory, they got taken by the angel, but they didn't die. They just got taken away. Yeah. Maybe they need to start being a bit more brave and killing them off. Oh, um... <laughs> Bill Bill died, but then was conveniently brought back. Oh yes, that's true. Yeah, because she was converted into a Cyberman, then then died. I think because I really liked Bill uh, as a companion. She's she's one of my favorites. I thought she was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I thought the way that what they did to her character was very uh, dramatic and emotional, and yeah. then. And then her puddle girlfriend pops up, and then sort of like reverses all that. And I thought that that was a bit of a a bit of a cop out. Maybe, because they had this unique position that they knew for a fact she was a one-off companion. Uh, uh, yeah, one-time companion. Mm-hmm. Because the series was coming to an end, and it would have had a quite a, re- a reboot, you know. So final final thoughts. Final thoughts. I absolutely love this story. Um, I think with the, with the other ones, uh, the, you know, they've been quite enjoyable, yeah. um, and I think have slowly shown progression. With the the previous one that we looked at, the Fearmonger, I, th- I think up until this point, I thought that was the the best one. I thought the writing was quite decent thematically; it was interesting, and I thought the way that it was structured, certainly around the cliffhangers, I thought was was very strong. But then you get the and then you get this one, the Mario Conspiracy. I love the story. I love the characters. I love the way it's written. Um, I think this finally establishes what Big Finish can can do with the Doctor Who range. It can be uh, it can be gripping, interesting, cover uh, uh, cover important themes, but be enjoyable whilst doing so. And it can also establish its own continuity. So we have a new character, Evelyn, who I absolutely love, and I think Maggie Stables plays it really well. Colin Baker's Doctor. I mean, I've always liked Colin Baker as the Doctor, going off his um, uh, his TV performances of it. He was always brilliant. But this shows him... This shows another more playful side to his Doctor, and it's a delight, and I absolutely love it. So, for me, the Marion Conspiracy of the Big Finish Audio Adventures that we've listened to... Uh, we've recently listened to, this is by far the best, in my opinion, and I love it in of itself... I give this 10 out of 10. Oh, great. That's a really good score. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, um, despite the fact that it's a past Doctor Adventure, 
they've kind of broke free of the um, limitations they had with the uh, previous stories because, the, of course, all those stories simply just slot in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do character development when you have these companions that have a beginning and have an end already on screen established. Yeah. And, of course, they're doing something fresh here with the Sixth Doctor, mm-hmm. which at the time, the current Doctor was Paul McGann. Um, so despite the fact that he was the current Doctor, I felt that they were taking a fresh direction with the Sixth. I love the period setting. It wasn't, it wasn't hard to follow, especially if you're not familiar with the history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to find faults with it. Of course, earlier I mentioned... The fact that I thought they could have addressed the way heresy was handled and maybe give a more optimistic message about it. Um, I considered marking it down on that respect, but I couldn't because it was such a well-rounded story. Um, so I, in fact, did end on 10 out of 10. Ah, right, okay. And I thought perhaps you wouldn't, but there we go. <laughs> No, absolutely. What made you think that? Well, I don't know, because um, we haven't had many 10 out of 10 stories. No, no, that's true. But no, I think, um, yeah, I just absolutely adore this story. And I think, um, with all with all due respect to the previous ones, which I'll, I'd quite happily listen to, this one, I think, for me, goes right Big Finish have actually finally established with the Marriott Conspiracy what they're able to do with the Doctor Who range. And and they can deliver something fresh and new. Yeah. yeah. And it's sort of like, right, fact, because even though I have enjoyed uh, the stories to a greater or lesser extent, I've always felt that I'd, there's always something a bit missing. Mm. And I think what it is, it's it was Big Finish being able to get that confidence to go, right, we can do our own thing. We can... We can have a fresh approach with uh, the sixth Doctor, um, and we can introduce a new companion, and so, so they've got all that, which was which is absolutely great. But um, but also, I think um, uh, Jacqueline Raynard, who uh, who's the author of this story, does an absolutely brilliant job. I absolutely love the writing. I think it's perfect from beginning to end, and the cast really bring it to life. Uh, everyone, you know, you've got Nicholas uh, Pegg playing Reverend Thomas, Gary Russell playing John Wilson, Anna Rudin, who plays the Queen. As I understand it, I don't think she's appeared in any other Big Finish audio adventure. Oh, really? Uh, which is a surprise and uh, a bit of a shame because I think uh, her performance was brilliant. So, yeah, there's, for me, this is just the, the, uh, a perfect story. Well, that's it for today. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Cheers.